Breaking news. Welcome to Will and Merzane's special TTS report. And we're back for more of the special report. What's happening, Merzane? Nothing much. My name is Will, and it's been an exciting first part of the league so far. And, you know, it's been, uh, it's kind of the, the cream has risen to the top, I would say, so far. And maybe there's like another layer of cream that's going to rise again. Merzane, right? Wouldn't you say there's there's more cream yet to rise? Oh, cream will be rising the entire game, the entire league. Exactly. Uh, It'll never stop. It'll never stop. So we're back today with another special report to talk about our last matches, our round two matches, and then talk about our upcoming round three matches, which I'll go ahead and say for me, I'm going to be playing late as hell this week. So... Uh, sorry if for anyone listening that gets held up with the pairings for next week, but uh, my match is going to be starting at 8 p.m. CST on Sunday. Ah, you're you're that guy this week. I'm <laughs> There's sorry. always that guy every week. I know. Well, so my opponent is on vacation all week, and we I've just got some stuff going on on Saturday to where I couldn't make it happen uh, at the right time for him. So Sunday was kind of our best bet. So yeah, here we are. It it happens. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. And with that, though, Merzane, let's talk about our matches from this week and let's have you go first. All right. So I played uh, against Sploosh's Criminal Syndicate. Um, We played 17 points on Infinity Formula and Hammers. He took Kingpin, Corvus and Proxima. Uh, Black Cat and Bullseye. I took Doctor Strange the Gem, Blade, uh, Mystique, and who was my last one? That was it. Doctor Strange the Gem, Doctor Voodoo, Blade, and Mystique. Okay, that seems um, pretty good. I went Mystique and Voodoo on the left, and the other two on the right. Uh, Blade and Doctor Strange both picking up hammers. Doctor Strange doing his trick to bump and pick up a middle hammer. Oh, yeah. Um, they both sit on my back objective so that if he launched someone to my side of the field, I could still contest, which he did. He sent Black Cat over there. On the left side, I had Voodoo and Mystique threatening whoever he took to that hammer on the left and not carrying anything. So when Corvus inevitably killed them, he, he wouldn't get hammers for it. Nice. Uh, Corvus walked up by himself to my to my back point to contest it so I wouldn't gain points. I think this was my first mistake of the game. I chose to deception him off the point and behind me, mm. uh, primarily outside of range two of Voodoo. My thought here was that if he's outside of range two of Voodoo, it's a little bit harder for him to kill him potentially. He has to do the um, the spender. Right. And that may may or may not mess up some of his power economy because I'm, I'm going to get priority and I'm going to try to kill him next turn. But... When I, sh- I should have kept him within two, and that'll come up a little bit later, I think. And I should have saved Deception, I think. Yeah. So, he moves up his Kingpin. Kingpin forget- gets a hammer and does not get on the back point. So, he misses that point. And Proxima picks up his middle hammer. So, we end the turn three to three, because Black Cat is contesting my two guys on my point, and his bullseye is controlling another. He's got two hammers, I've got two hammers, and I we're each controlling a single objective. Okay, let me let me ask you before we continue on with this, because I think that this is an interesting point to bring up in terms of strategy for other people listening that might not know kind of some of the strategies out there. 
And you said that he walks Corvus across the board. So he double moves Corvus across the board to contest what you would generally consider to be your home infinity formula, right? Yep. And I've seen more and more of that kind of strategy, especially with characters that are a little bit more tanky. They're on those big bases. Why is that so effective, you think? Well, especially in Criminal Syndicate. So a lot of people will try to put one character on a back point and kind of hold them there, have them... They may not have a lot of output. Maybe they're more supporty or more controlly. Uh, so they'll activate, they'll put them there and not worry about it. So especially in Criminal Syndicate, it's crazy when someone does that because in Criminal Syndicate, your character, the Criminal Syndicate characters count for two characters when contesting. Mm-hmm. So when they do something like that, if you only left one back there, they end up scoring your home point because you didn't leave a second person there. Yeah. Um, in Criminal Syndicate, when when your opponent leaves two on the back point like I did, it's still worth it to go and contest it because that makes your opponent not score the points. And if you're scoring your back points, you're still getting ahead on points. Um, it's a really good way to, you, you kind of, you potentially sacrifice one of those two characters for, um, for extra scoring. Mm-hmm. But in this case, he, t- he did black cat and Corvus. Both of these characters are characters that are going to do something turn two if I don't stop it. So, uh, Black Cat's going to steal something. Corvus is probably going to murder everyone on that side of the table. So I have to choose which one I want to deal with. I can't do both because I can't activate twice. Um, so either way, one of them is going to do something. Right. And it's just up to me to decide who's, who... I had to pick my poison, essentially. Right. And do you think that that's more of a strategical move for him to say, okay, you choose... Putting, putting a decision point on an opponent to say, all right choose which of these bad things you want to deal with, or do you think that that's more just a general strategy of getting ahead? Like, to me, it sounds more like it's, like, if I'm playing that strategy, I'm wanting to make my opponent make a mistake by going for the wrong one. It's a bit of both. Um, I I think in this case, there's no mistake which one you go for, uh, depending on your team. I think in my case, uh, what I ended up doing was I, I went for Corvus and ended up dazing him. It took all four actions on that side of the table. I did Mystique, shot him twice and got the rapid fires. And then Voodoo went with a follow me and shot him and killed him. And uh, I ended up doing, what is it, the uh, Siege of Darkness as well and doing four damage to the Black Cat on the other side of the table anyway, almost killing her. Oh, Um, wow. And Voodoo ended up picking up a hammer, but... I think that was the proper... I think if I go for Black Cat here, there's a potential I don't kill her because she's so hard to kill. And then she steals something and goes anyway. And I, I gain nothing. Um, and then Corvus gets to do his thing very potentially, and that's a problem, too. Like, if I do kill Black Cat, then Corvus gets to do his thing, and I don't want Corvus to do his thing because I'd rather lose a hammer than lose two people and then lose them again next time. Right. So... I think Corvus was the proper play. I think moving him was the problem. Um, what ends up happening is Corvus does a lot of da- gets a lot of power from him. Um, Brother Daniel's Proxima grabs her hammer and then sits. Proxima goes. She throws a spear at him. Uh, this is into voodoo. This is into voodoo. He mm-hmm. recalls his spirit. And... For the record, I will roll a total of four defense rolls on Voodoo, and every single one of them will roll no successes. Ooh, I mean, that sounds like me when I roll for Voodoo. <laughs> Everybody's like, man, he's so defensive. 
I mean, he just rolls a lot of dice, but he didn't have anything he could do with him once he rolls them. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he ended up he ended up dazing him in three attacks, two of them from uh, Proxima, and the last one was from uh, a cane laser from Kingpin. Well, that's impressive to uh, get a daze off of a cane laser. Yeah, he he walks up. It's a hammered cane laser, so it's five die. Okay. Uh, shoots him and does the one damage to kill him, and he picks up the hammer. Uh, he ends up scoring my back point. Uh, and both of his back points and like three hammers and goes up pretty hard at the end of the turn. So my turn starts. Uh, his black cat has stolen a, a thing. And so, my the, so this is round three. This is round this three. Is round right? three. Okay. Uh, and, and black cat update. She stole something turn two because she does that uh, and ran away with it. And my blade tried to chase her down. Okay. He did a little bit of damage. She med pack before he damaged her and we're now in a weird position where she's like in the middle of the, of my two back points behind a car relative to. Okay. That's the reason strange couldn't kill her. Cause she was behind a size four, uh, truck. <laughs> so he couldn't like bump and get into stealth range and shoot her. He'd have to like get on top of the truck and then shoot her. Oh no. Uh, so it was a little awkward, but on my turn, I had priority still voodoo is absolutely chock full of power at this point because he's been killed and done some damage. So he does the only sensible thing I can think of, and he brother Daniels, the opposing kingpin who has two, uh, two hammers, mm-hmm. picks up the two hammers, walks one, uh, makes one move action closer to Black Cat, and I can't brother Daniel her and pick up the hammers because I have three power left at this point. So what I decide to do is I need to hit her, do some damage. Preferably kill her with my two hammers. Maybe get a throw on her if I can to finish her. And bump once one little bit over with my bump of the night to try to not get killed by his clapback. Activate Strange, walk over and heal him. And basically what this will do is this will give me priority with uh, all four hammers. And all I have to do from here is either start killing people or... Uh, controlling the right side of the table where only Bullseye is. Make him chase me down right? Uh, to get hammers back, and then I should start scoring out. Well, what ends up happening is Corvus moves once, gets within range three of Voodoo, does a death blow, and one-shots him. Oh, my God. Uh, so then he moves. He picks up two hammers, I think. One or two hammers. Either way, um, what ends up happening is Proxima gets a husband and wife too, and uh, her Corvus and Kingpin all have one each by using one of them uses the criminal syndicate uh, leadership to pass a hammer back. So at that point, the game is over. I can no longer I no longer have the output to get the points back and win the game because I only have one hammer. He's going to score. Upwards of seven points a turn uncontested because my other guy contesting uh, my back point is on is dead. Mm-hmm. Even if I can get someone over there, he has three people over there that can stand on that point. So the game is effectively over at this point. But I, I try to kill some people and I'm unsuccessful. Um, but really, what what, it, what my plan had boiled down to was kind of what I did. I'm going to try to bait him on the left side into a kill fest, hopefully win it. I, I almost did. My Voodoo decided he didn't want to live. Um, <laughs> and at some point, Voodoo just steals all the hammers on that side of the table and tries to run away. Uh, preferably when he's not injured, but it is like that sometimes. 
Yeah. So it could be like that. It worked. I, I, everything went according to plan. I just, uh, I just couldn't survive. Uh, he rolled the nuts on his attack roll. And again, uh, voodoo decided that death was the only answer for himself. So he just didn't roll anything. He needed to go be with brother Daniel, I guess. (laughs) I guess so. But, um, it was a good game. Uh, the score, it was a pretty close game. It wasn't really a close game on score. It was one of those games that's close on the plays. If he hadn't killed me there, I think I run away with it. Yeah. Um, I think there's very little chance he actually recovers if, he doesn't kill voodoo almost in, almost in that activation. Cause if he doesn't kill him with that activation, Proxima has to finish him off with one attack. If she does not, I start healing him and I start protecting him. If she does, she has to be the one to divvy out the, um, the hammers. And I don't think she can spread them far enough and I can start recovering them a little bit easier. Right. So it was just, it, it was just an unlucky situation. Uh, it happens. And I kind of engineered it. I think one of my mistakes I talked about was I, um, when I deceptioned Corvus, I should have tried to deception, I think, but I'm not 100% sure that Black Cat could have been within four of Mystique. I could have deceptioned her towards Mystique rather than uh, the Corvus fully off the point. Or if I had deception Corvus like I did, I could have left him within two of Voodoo so rather than do the play where I ran away, I could have tried to kill Corvus. So the reason I didn't try to kill Corvus was because he was outside of range two of me. So I couldn't do my staff of Legba attack. I'd have to do two spirit venoms, which is kind of cagey into Corvus because sometimes he'll just roll crazy defense. Right. And I couldn't. So I couldn't power burn him. I could only drain him. I couldn't throw him. Uh, throwing something at him was weird because Mystique was in the way. Uh and it, I, I couldn't just, the way everything was positioned, I couldn't bump in the night over there. So I think, had I left it within two, I could have potentially just gone, gotten the, did the same play, picked up all, picked up those hammers, and had a staff of Legba into him instead, seen where my damage was at, thrown him and walked, or maybe just uh, shot him again and seen, you know, how much damage I could do and try to just get him off the table. Right. I still have to worry about Black Cat, but that's a lot more manageable than a, uh, Corvus at this point, because she's going to have to move in. I don't even think she had the power to kill me or to, to steal. If she did, she just moves in. She steals one and walks away. And then right. we're looking at something I could potentially uh, chase down. But right. it was a good game. Uh, it sucks to lose this early, but it is what it is. It is it do what it do, right? Yeah. It, it be I, that way sometimes. I know how it goes, man. And, you know, it's one of those things that, I mean, you went up against a very good opponent. You know, if you're... Not familiar with the more competitive scene, Sploosh is pretty widely considered to be one of the best players of MCP, you know, for whatever that's worth. And so going up against him right at the rip like this is pretty tough. Uh, so, you know, and he clearly has his plan and and what he wanted to do and accomplish. And, you know, it, it's this is a dice game. And at the end of the day, Sometimes those dice are going to fall your way and sometimes they're not. And it sounds like you got a little bit unlucky there with some defense rolls on Voodoo. But other than that, it seems like everything was in line to at least have potential success. Yeah. And it's not like, um, I'm not, I don't think the game was won or lost by dice necessarily. Um, Criminal Syndicate is one I, I mentioned at the beginning was a, t- is a tough matchup for me. Right. I got it twice. I kind of need to be lucky into that matchup and I didn't quite get lucky enough. And he played it correctly. Like he did what he was supposed to do. Um, I put it up to a big gamble 
because it's kind of what what I have to do and uh, it didn't work out. I, I thought about some other things I could have potentially done, like maybe swapping sides, Blade and Strange on the other on the side with Corvus and them. But in the end, I think I I, I don't think my play was necessarily bad. Um, I just think you know Dice did what Dice do and. I, I set it up to do that rather than make a diceless play where I try to outmaneuver or use control to stop my opponent from scoring and me outscore them. I, I tried to play dice games and sometimes that comes back to bite you in the butt. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, hopefully that means that you'll get a little easier of opponent this time and then, you know, be able to r- ride up into the cuts. Uh, Yes. Yeah, su- submarine play is a go now. <laughs> well, I, my fingers are crossed for you, dude. And, you know, I hope that ultimately, you know, what I try to do is take something away from every match, and I hope that you were able to get something out of this match. Oh, yeah. Uh, Criminal Syndicate is a, a big pile of bullshit. That's what I got from it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. I, it, I, like I said, I, I always reflect on my matches. Um, I think that, I, like I said, I think I made a couple of plays, misplays with, like, deception and positioning I could have improved on that would have made things a little bit easier. So just things like that. Um a lot of it's little things for me right now. It's like perfecting how I use my tools and in, in Midnight Suns. I, I'm typically not making like huge, big, like, oh, that's the game game ending right. error kind of plays. It's typically uh, something small. It's like, well, I could have made that better. Um, right. And I think that like deception, like I said, was was a big part of that in some of my positioning. Yeah. Well, you live and you learn. That's why we play the games, right? Yep. So... With that now, let's uh, talk about what happened in my game, and it was a fun one. It was it was a lot of fun. So we played Gamma and Alien Ship, and he pulled his secures, winning the priority. I pulled my extracts, and so we had a choice of 20 and 15. And when I looked at his roster and looked at the table, because this is really something that... I think was pivotal for me was looking at the table setup because a lot of times you can get some information from how the terrain is laid out on a table before deciding on your threat value. And one of the things that this map had was this big size four piece of terrain right in the middle. And one of the gamma shelter, the middle gamma shelter will fall right on top of it, but there's one side where you can be on the ground and contest, and another side you have to be on top of it. So, I positioned myself to where I was on the side where if I'm on the ground, I can contest it, and he has to be on top to contest it. And so I used that, and that's kind of more clo- like more terrain in his deployment zone, stuff like that. So anyways, I chose 15, because I felt really good about my 15, and it was strange, voodoo, Clea and Mordo and I I really am comfortable with those characters I know kind of what I'm getting out of them I know what I'm doing with them that kind of stuff and because it's it's Gamma and Alien Ship well Voodoo and Strange can go and get those side points try to flip those side Alien Ship points and then I can just focus on the Gamma part of it you know kind of a little later with all of my repositioning shenanigans and stuff so he ended up bringing Hulk, Captain America Steve Rogers, and Scarlet Witch, which we had talked about. If he brings Scarlet Witch into this matchup, it's not the worst, actually. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it it really wasn't. And shout out to uh, my opponent. It's the MK Miniatures guy. Anytime you see his stuff on the Facebooks, you know, I, I see his miniatures where he posts like a showcase of his miniatures that he's painted and stuff. They always look great. So shout out to him. And uh, it's Matt Kish, MK Miniatures. He's he's a good guy, and he was a really good opponent. And so he we play this, and he is just Hulk missling. And I think that the I can say he made two mistakes in this game, and I made mistakes as well. But he definitely made two mistakes. One, he played Avengers Assemble on the first turn, and he wasn't able to have enough distance to get up and contest the objective the middle objective with Steve Rogers from an Avengers Assemble. And then later on as the game unfolded, he kept Scarlet Witch back on his rear Gamma Shelter and never really got her into the fight. So those are the two things that were kind of the the biggest things I think that he messed up on. Uh, and then I don't think it was bad either. Like that's the thing. I don't I don't think what how he played that was bad. I think that it just ended up where he needed to be more aggressive at a certain point and he didn't push forward on that aggressiveness. And also with Strange, when you attack him with Mystic Attacks, he gets to use the Mystic Armor and I was rolling a ton of wilds every time that I had Mystic Armor. So, you know, changing successes to blanks and gaining power for it. (laughs) Yeah, really handy. Very handy. But uh, the, the game unfolded I'm going to be a little less detailed than you. It's because in terms of like everything that happened individually rounds, like I remember kind of how it all unfolded, but not so much in the like extreme detail level, I guess. And if you're interested, you can go and watch it on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv. Yeah, it was all on one channel this time. It was all on one channel. Yeah. Twitch.tv slash Darth Balls 05. And that's balls with a Z. And uh, so, anyways, the, the biggest swing thing that happened was right in turn one in terms of points. And that was that Strange, on his first turn, was able to walk over and interact with the far wide left side, my left side, Cree core thing, and found it on the first roll. I that mean, always sets the pace for the rest of the game when someone can do that. Exactly. So, like... You know, it's one of those things where I I didn't feel bad, quote-unquote, wasting a turn out there with Strange because I had used Clea to teleport him up, move once, check that out, and then I could have deadly daggers if he'd have left me a target, which I don't think he did, if I remember correctly. But anyways, having him out on that wing just wasn't that big of a deal overall, and it set me up to have a nice bit of power because I only spent the one possibly two, but really only the one, to get the Cree core. And so I was able to set up for turn two, and that was kind of the idea, was to set up for turn two and get Strange back into the middle where he could be in range of Mordo to get some buffs, all that stuff, right? Right. So he brings Hulk over, and turn two, you know, he's got three models to my four, so he's going to have priority most of the time. So I have to factor that in as well. And he brings Hulk over and just starts wrecking with Hulk. And he was able to, I think, daze Clea and Voodoo in one turn. And then I was able to get just enough power. I had just enough power with Mordo to move, 
do an attack into Hulk, his little four dice attack that gained one, and then get the get the one power I needed to field dress Voodoo, which let me tell you was absolutely clutch. Yes. And I don't know if you remember this, Merzane. During our conversation about this matchup, I had said to you, is it crazy to not take field dressing here? Do you remember that? I do remember. <laughs> I do remember perfectly. Yeah. So I I had really considered not to take it, and I'm obviously now glad I did because if I hadn't have field dressed Voodoo there, even regardless of what happened like with the damage and all that stuff, like he did good damage, he, he did stuff, it was cool. But if I hadn't have field dressed him here, it's more so about him being KO'd and off the board versus that extra activation I got out of him. Like the extra activation was valuable, but that's one thing I've learned in this game was sometimes it's more valuable just to be able to have a character still on their healthy side so that your opponent has to deal with them and that you don't lose them at the top of the next turn. Because there was no yeah. matter what, I wasn't going to have priority. So saying, okay, well, Voodoo's still alive, and you can't activate Hulk first and just kill him outright. That was very mm -hmm. important, I felt like. Yeah, being able to say, like, sure, you can daze three people, but they're going to get up. And then you get priority because, you know, he's going to have three characters to your one at that point, because I exactly. think he ended up, I think he ended up dazing three characters, right? It was two or three. He, he ended up dazing two, and so that's what it was: is he dazed Clea, and then he dazed Voodoo, and I was able to get Mordo over to field dress Voodoo. Yeah, and and or, then and then the dice kind of let him down a little bit there on the the subsequent turn, but it was kind of a just an interesting swing of events and how that worked out, and. Hulk was all the way on my home gamma shelter just hanging out against yep. Clea and and Voodoo and Mordo over there while Strange is up there in the middle kind of like, you know, throwing baleful bolts everywhere and, and tanking some damage like a champ. And ultimately what ended up happening, and it's all about Hulk. When you, when you run a list that tall, it's all about what you can get out of Hulk, I think. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And his Hulk did a lot like a lot a lot a couple of times he had opportunities to kind of throw characters and in a different position than where they ended up and I don't think that he made bad choices there at all I think he made good choices but I think that looking back on it it's like a, well maybe if I'd have thrown that guy over here instead of over there it ends up being in a better position overall but his Hulk did a lot of work but just not quite enough work because I was able to kind of use Plane of Poldock to get a good bit of damage on him, which, man, he played my Plane of Poldock turn so good. So, I played the Plane of Poldock, which allows me to re-roll the Mystic attacks, and I think I got Strange's attacks into him, and maybe Voodoo's, and that was it, because he was, like, throwing things or dazing people. Like, it just, it was the perfect way to counteract what I did there, because it's has to be played early enough to get the maximum benefit out of it and he was just able to really mitigate it well and mm -hmm. he made me have to deal with Captain America as well because like I didn't want Captain America tanking damage for Hulk I knew that I needed to get rid of Hulk and Captain America being in range to 
bodyguard and stuff was a big no-no for me. Yes. So Agreed. I ended, I used a ton of resources to place Captain America out of range very regularly, but I think it ultimately was worth it because I did end up dazing Captain America later, but it was one of those things where I felt like I had to be aggressive on the placement or displacement in this case because mm-hmm. I needed to burn down Hulk as much as possible. And he kept Hulk alive way longer than I was hoping for. <laughs> I, I feel like if Hulk is on the table for any amount of time, that's the way you feel though. No, oh, this is true. <laughs> this is true. But uh, yeah, so he got, he got a ton of work out of Hulk, but once Hulk was down, I was able to have the Kree core and score the subsequent amount of points to finish the game by, uh, I actually kept the Brother Daniel token on Voodoo for the whole match until the bitter end when I moved over and possessed, I think it was Scarlet Witch, so that she wouldn't count for the back point of his, and then moved on to that back point and was able to yep. score the final amount of points. But he was down to two characters to my four at that point, so it was going to be tough for him, I think. Yeah. So that was just the way I- the way it ended. I think that you were going to win that that game on attrition either way, unless Scarlet Witch just got incredibly lucky. Because um, I think you kill Cap on this turn pretty easy if you don't go for the win. Right. I, I think you just used the I think you just used the, the the crisis to end what was an already over game at that point. Exactly, and, and that's it. I mean, like you know, obviously Witch can do crazy things. She is pretty great, but she's only one character. And Cap was on his injured side versus Mystic Attack, so he's not quite as good. He's still good, mm-hmm. but not quite as good. So, yeah, it yeah. was a hell of a game. And and it definitely made me think a lot. And, you know, one of the things, another thing I've learned as I've played this game more, and especially playing Convocation and everything, is like, you know, the Mystic Attacks are something that a lot of people don't really deal with well. But they're still, it's still going to be rolling dice. And... You know, most people have that three mystic defense, which is still pretty solid. And then another thing I've learned is that when you've got the physical attackers going heavy into convocation, it is scary, but ultimately you can deal with it. You're not it's not as mm-hmm. bad as you might think. So something to think about. Yeah, I think in convocation you're more scared of throws than attacks. Absolutely. Because <laughs> throws are like Attacks are two ways, uh, two way streets of rolling dice. So they could roll great or they could roll terrible. But like a size four building getting thrown at you is five damage, and you only have two or three dice to block it. Oh yes, and uh, turn one he threw a size four building at Mordo, and my my typical Mordo play is to move up, get whatever objective I can get, and then do the action to gain power. So that way I'm sitting on three power if I didn't have to pay to interact. That's kind of my normal play. And then that way for the next turn, I have two opportunities for a the ferocity of Sidorak. That's kind of the idea mm-hmm. with him. Well, he threw that building at Mordo, and Mordo's two physical defense were like, nah, man, I'm going to brace for impact that. <laughs> yeah, good time to brace. Uh-huh. So it's like, well, it def- definitely made me have to make some more decisions down the line, but it was still one of those like, yeah, we're definitely bracing because losing the guy, losing Mordo right away is not ideal. <laughs> so, oh, definitely. So yeah, it was it was a good, it was a really good match, man. It was really tough. Like I, I definitely felt t- 
tough. It felt like a tough matchup, and it's one that you know I feel like I played it pretty well. I feel like the the balance with convocation is definitely balancing control with turning on the damage, and and mm-hmm. that's what I'm figuring out is like when to turn on that damage. I think I might have played Plane of Poldock a turn too early. But because I did that, I think it also forced him to make different decisions. So it's kind of a little bit of a push and pull there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, I love this game, man. And I'm, I'm 2 and 0. Oh, so, so like, there's that. <laughs> you're doing good. I mean, look, and this is where all the, uh, it all goes off the rails right here. But, uh, no, I, no, no, no. We're going to, this is where the train keeps on rolling. That's right. Bullet train straight to heaven, right? Straight to the f- cuts. To, to, finals, you almost said true. finals. That, look, I'll take it. <laughs> I, I say I realize when I think of I think of this final cut, and I just say finals in my head. Right. But that's not that's not what finals means. We're we're you're, we're, you're making it to cuts. I, I can't guarantee we can get you to finals. Exactly, and that's okay. That's all I want. That's all I want. So now I think it's the fun part of the show where we get to speculate on what's going to happen in our upcoming matches. So, Merzane, what are you looking at this week? Um, I am playing against a pretty good player by the name of Johnny Pastrami. He, uh, he's he been on Danger Room a couple of times talking about his uh, X-Force list. I, I don't know if it's the exact list he's playing uh, against me, but he's going to be playing X-Force. So, I'll be completely honest, no one locally really plays X-Force. I've played against him a couple times locally. Um, not enough to really deconstruct them and really figure out their plan. Mm-hmm. And I played against Dizzard once, and uh, we, I played Web Warrior, so completely different uh, style of play. So I'm not. It's kind of like the Criminal Syndicate and the Brotherhood matchups for me. Is I'm not super experienced in them because no one locally really plays them. Um, but it looks like what he wants to do is he wants to just beat the crap out of me. Yeah, let's go through his list. Yeah, so his list is Cable, Captain America, Sam Wilson, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Voodoo, Domino, Honey Badger, Loki with the Space Gem, Medusa, Winter Soldier, and X-23. His tactics cards are Advanced R&D, Blind Obsession, Brace for Impact, Cat and Mouse, Field Dressing, Indomitable, Jonathan the Unstoppable, Marked for Death, No Matter the Cost, and Exceptional Healing. His extracts are Alien Ships Crash in Downtown, Fear Grips the World as Worthy Terror Cities or Hammers, and Mutant Extremists Target U.S. Senators. And his secures are Demons Downtown, Infinity Formula, and Extremist Formula. Interesting. Um, so what I think he's going to try to do... Um, is he's just going to try to play at some wonky point cost he thinks I can't play at and go uh, with a 10-point core of Cable, X-23, and Honey Badger. So he has affiliation at just about every point cost he can right. muster. Um, he has a lot of physical attackers that are going to do a lot of crazy things. So Medusa and Winter Soldier are two characters that can both potentially get rapid fire or flurries. And combined with either their inherent rerolls, because Medusa just gets one, and if you're within range one of Winter Soldier, he gets one. 
plus the X-Force reroll, really try to fish for those multi-attack opportunities to get uh, damage in. Right. And probably when I roll a bad defense roll, that's when he'll really try to, you know, spike all of his attack rolls to uh, take advantage of that bad roll. Um, Doctor Strange is probably in there for higher point costs to just kill people. I mean, you know the power of this Doctor Strange. Oh, look, I mean, he, when when he hits, he hits. He hits hard. And then he'll just, th- if he doesn't kill you, he'll just throw you off into the stratosphere. Right. With the scalpel. Voodoo's there because Voodoo's things. Um, the the one I'm not certain about is Loki. Um, yeah. I'm not really sure what he has that in there for, but, I mean, I dig it. I like Loki, so I, if he plays it, he plays it, and I'll get well, to see. What I could see happening here with him playing Loki here is like kind of a turtle up situation where given the crisis, like let's say, let's say you're playing on demons or something where it's kind of slow. Like that's probably the slowest one he has. What's the slowest one you have? Uh, Demons. Demons. Okay. So playing on demons, like I could see him kind of like bunkering up between the middle two on his side and just trying to blast you from range. And then Mm -hmm. like having Loki there to be like, okay, well if you come to me, well everything you do is going to cost more. Yep. The thing that I'm I'm looking at his list, like especially with this crisis, I think he's playing mostly like neutral stuff. Nothing nothing is a an advantage to priority or non-priority in this in his crisis setup. Mm-hmm. So I think he's trying to do is I think he's trying to slow either keep on parity or slow down the game and uh, force us into a fight and just use his better dice to win. Yeah. Um. So. I think what I hope to do is uh, this is, of course, if I get priority, if I don't get priority, it's, you know, I can't do this, uh, but try to get my extracts and try to do what I always do. And that's uh, oh, yeah. get an extract lead with one of my um, non-neutral extracts, little bump and grind, little bump and grind and force him to maybe come to me um, and beat him on value rather than uh, on, on value as in um, action economy being able right. to do more attacks into him uh, than he can do into me, but he'll have better attacks most likely. So we'll, we'll have to see how that runs. It's going to be very, it's going to be a very dicey game. It's probably going to be a bloodbath. Um, one yeah. thing I noticed too is the Captain America, Sam Wilson. I think that's an interesting choice. I have a feeling of given an opportunity, he's going to try to use him as a control piece. Like uh, your first round opponent did to you. Yes. Um, I'm seeing him splashed a lot. In, in situations like this. And uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I think he's a little overrated in that regard. Um, I think he's okay, but I don't understand why you wouldn't just take Shuri. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. I, I think uh, that the argument can be made. So if you look at like kind of X-Force here and the way that I think he's got it set up is trying to use things like cables, body slide. He's got Loki with the space. So move movement there. And then you've got Sam Wilson, who can do the airlift thing, you know, so it's it's kind of like saving actions by moving people out of turn, maybe. Yeah, true. And, and he's got charge. So like everyone right. here has some way to move themselves except for Voodoo and Domino. Right. I, I guess Honey Badger and X-23, not necessarily, but they have the thing where if you hit their sister, they'll come running. Right. So it's kind of like this extra bit of movement, I think is like, I agree with you. I think that Shuri for the control aspect, but I think that, Captain America provides a bit of mobility that like, okay, the opportunity arises to go steal an objective, then he can do it fairly easily and potentially even get an attack off with it. 
Yeah. Well, and he can he can charge. I think one of the things he might do is try to like if we get like extremist consoles, he might just try to like run them in a big circle around mm-hmm. the table, scoring points here and there because he's got the long move. Because there is one good advantage to uh, the Sam Wilson Captain America, and that's that if on on a double on a, on a long move and then a charge and then a range four throw that ignores line of sight, he can he can throw a shield at just about anyone on the map at any point in time. Right. Uh, you're never really safe from uh, from Sam Wilson. Right. And uh, then the repositions are definitely not good for you because I think other than Ghost Rider and Hulk, you don't really have any size three stuff, right? Um, I have Strange who can do the push. Well, what I mean and, is like Strange could be pushed. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, you mean that can't... Like, from the can control aspect of... From the control aspect of Captain America. Yeah. Um... Bump of the night helps a little bit. Right. Um, and there's some other stuff like this is probably an indomitable game. Um, if I, I suspect one of those cards is coming out like Medusa or Sam, but maybe not. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup because I think we're both playing very similar. Once he wants something more neutral and I want to gain advantage. So right. if I don't get advantage and I have to come to him, there's a there's potentially some problems, but um I'm interested to see how this one plays. I think, like I said, my plan is to try. It's the same plan as always: get priority, get the advantage. Yeah. Um, I don't know what point cost I want to go to if I don't get priority. Um, it's more fun to go to twenty because I can bring out Hulk and Ghost Rider. Right. Uh, but that doesn't always happen. But then, um, but then he brings brings out a strange supreme, and oof. I don't know if I'm horribly upset with that especially if I have Ghost Rider on the table because um, Ghost Rider doesn't mind getting thrown three away. He can just hell yeah, on wheels hell back on in wheels and right just back. say, okay, cool. Um, but we'll see. I might go lower point cost just to keep people like Sorcerer Supreme out and keep people like Sam Wilson and Winter Soldier in. Uh, right. I don't feel like I'm super scared of them. Uh, unless he spikes, but that's just the way the dice rolls. Um, right. I think if like, what does your 14 look like? Cause like there, there's a case to be made here that his 14, he could play unaffiliated at 14. Sure. But like 14 cable. And then like you said, X 23 honey badger and then Medusa. Um, I have not considered my 14. So I think in this situation it is impossible to get 14. Well, okay. I guess it's no, it's, it's impossible. Um, because if, if I'm pick if he's picking points, I'm picking extracts, so he won't get his extracts. Right. So he won't he won't be able to pick fourteen. I got you. If I'm picking point cost, I am not picking fourteen. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> what I was asking. Okay. Um, I guess what I could do is like, Blade, Moon Knight, Iron Fist, and Voodoo. Um, or if I'm feeling extremely frisky, I could do like, Blade, Ghost Rider, uh. And then what? That's nine points. I have five more points to play. I could play like Moon Knight and Bullseye. Whoa! <laughs> uh, and that could be pretty interesting, but I don't know. Um, we'll just kind of have to see what the what the crisis says because a lot of my a lot of my I typically like to have one big boy on the table, right? And that big boy is usually determined by what the objective is. Right. If it's a, if it's an objective for Hulk or Strange, they come out. If it's for Ghost Rider, he comes out. Um, so we're just going to we're just going to see. Um, yeah. 
I mean, it like looks said, to me like 17 or 18 is probably going to be where you end up living your life here. Hopefully, most likely. Um, I think 17 or 18 is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the, the One of the things I know I, that I, I, Dizzard has talked endlessly with me, which Dizzard is an X-Force player who is also on the Danger Room with Sploosh, um, endlessly about how good X-23 and Honey Badger are. So we may be looking at a uh, at a situation where we try to to focus them, particularly Honey Badger. Oh yeah, if Honey she Badger, gets in close. Yeah, Honey Badger has this thing where if you're within range one of her, you lose a die on your defense rolls, and then uh, Cable has a thing on his attack rolls where he gives you incinerate, and potentially will be on Demons Downtown, where if you stand next to points, you get incinerated and roll less less defense dice. Mm-hmm. So that combined with all the re-rolls he can get on on offense uh, basically makes my defense non-existent. So uh, Honey Badger's probably um, probably a priority target. Um, yeah, if I can kill her, it's probably a good thing. I agree, and it's funny to say that two threats a priority target, but I think it's more about the what she facilitates. Yep. You know, because she is a walking incinerate bubble, if you will. And yeah, it's a pretty small bubble has to be within range one, but being a walking incinerate bubble, like she is. And then the mobility that the little sis, big sis thing can, can play with and all of that. It can make things really interesting and difficult if she's able to get in there. And then you also have to factor in the potential for the clapback turn. And if you lose priority, and you've got a honey badger sitting there, and then all of a sudden cables blasting you. You've lost two dice or something potentially. It could be a nightmare scenario. Yep. She's also got the two dangers to ignore, kind of like um, uh, Luke, Cage. Luke Cage. So when she is dug in, she's going to be stealing attacks for other people. Uh, he could potentially be using what is it, the uh, exceptional healing card? Yep. So she she might be a character we do mystique into. Um, Mystique is here specifically for characters like this because if I activate Mystique and shoot her, she can't use exceptional healing. Exactly. Uh, she can't use two dangers to ignore if I want to hit someone else. And I can also do Siege of Darkness and she can't she, – during her activation and the same thing applies. All my other characters get to make their cool attacks and exceptional heal. she can't exceptional healing to save herself and she can't two dangers to ignore if I'm ignoring her. Exactly. So um, here's a fun thing. Like maybe the idea would be to try to – daze her with mystique and then activate siege of darkness on a subsequent turn so that you can ko her without having exceptional healing pop yeah that that's that's quite potential where there's a lot of options i I think the big dance is killing her without really provoking x23 because if x23 comes in and murders everyone it's all for naught anyway yeah but if we can get both of them off the table i think he if because he will probably take both of them oh yeah I, i think he loses a lot um, and he has two options. I think, I think he can either be really aggressive with them. If he's really aggressive with them, I can, I think that's good for me because I can kill him. But if he's not very aggressive with them and he puts them in a position where I can just kind of ignore them, I'm probably just as happy because if I can ignore them and go for more, if I can go for higher priority targets at that time, people like cable, um, maybe winter soldier, Medusa, I'm probably just as happy. So it's kind yeah. of a it's kind of a weird lose lose situation for him, I think, um, and it kind of comes down to dice again. Like, right? If he can, if if I don't kill them, it's a problem. If I do kill them, he's down two characters, and 
his big boys can start, you know, blasting me and they, they're probably relatively untouched, but, uh, that's probably fine. Cause I think those two are the ones that are really going to make, uh, make or break the game. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. And I think that w- when you look at those two characters, treating them as a single five threat character, I think is reasonable. And so, yeah, dealing with them means you're hindering, maybe cutting off one arm or tying an arm behind his back, some arm metaphor uh, <laughs> here, I think. And when you look at, like, we're talking about exceptional healing and then tax cards and stuff. So he's playing X-Force. So, like, you can expect that Cat and Mouse is going to be there, exceptional healing is going to be there, and then field dressing. Now, when I look at your list, I don't necessarily see a reason for Indomitable because, it uh, like, unless you're worried about a Hulk coming in, I don't think that indomitable you don't have a lot of throws and stuff in your list a lot of pushes it's not too crazy of a reposition pushy thing like with strange i guess you could look at it and say that but i don't know if i would think about indomitable or brace when i'm looking at you but i think that we can definitely say he's going to take advanced r&d cat and mouse field dressing and exceptional healing so then it's just what is the other card that he brings and i think it could be a no matter the cost here i honestly don't know if he takes I think it'll be advanced R and D, uh, probably not brace, field dressing, indomitable, maybe, no matter the cost. Do you, does I he, don't think he takes. I don't think he takes cat and mouse. You don't think so? I don't think so. I don't think there's any reason to. Um, I, unless he has some kind of weird play, I'm not aware of. Like I just don't think. Uh, maybe for like a middle point play, if he takes my extracts. Um, I don't know how that would work necessarily, but I mean, if that's what he's going for, I, I could see that. But eh, I just I don't think there's any good usage for it in his list. Okay. Um, there's some shenanigans he could do most definitely, but I don't really know. Uh, like I'm just trying to think. Like I'm just trying to spitball. Well, yeah, I just, I just don't know. Um, so he could he could take cat and mouse, play it on X23, then she gets the medium move. And then gets the range three claw rush if she does, no matter the cost, right? Yeah, but I'm probably not that far forward. Okay, fair. It depends on the it depends on the map, but I typically don't like to cross the middle line until at least turn two or three. Um, I want him to come to me. Now, if I have to come to him, the the benefit of um, Midnight Suns is that. The I can sit further back than normal and then bump forward to get to a back area so I can stay a little bit safer. Um, but I, I don't anticipate he'll be getting any turn one attacks with 23 in. Yeah, I mean, I think that trying to get into the, the, the idea of what he might bring in that regard is maybe a little bit much, but at the same time, I think it's interesting to think about it. And, you know, in terms of the cute cat and mouse plays, I think you're right that... It's just one of those things, whenever I see X-Force, I'm like, oh, well, you know, they're bringing cat and mouse because you know they're going to move somebody up to be able to do something. But I think that you have a, a good point there, and it's one of those things that you don't have to do that. They don't have to do that. It's just a nice little boon if the opportunity presents itself. And yep. I think that Johnny Pastrami is a good enough player that he'll recognize the situation when it's most beneficial. I mean, if he wants to run it, I know he's going to listen. He told me he would. If, if you want to run it and show me I'm wrong, it's fine with me. I just... I don't see what it's there for, at least in our matchup. Right, right. It's. I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think that you're in an interesting position here, and I think that, again, when we, when we look at this, 
I think that anything under 18 and you don't have to worry about a strange supreme. Yeah. I think maybe maybe I'm a bit wrong. Well, let's see. If he goes if he goes 18, then you could do the cable and the girls and then strange supreme at 5 and have another three threat. So, you could have Domino there. That doesn't sound or, horrible. Or Captain America. Captain America or Winter Soldier like that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Don't play at 18. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't even think I'm like, am I really upset with that? Because I can get some really uh, uh, crazy stuff too. Well, what do you bring at 18 then? At 18, I could bring something like Blade Voodoo Strange, and that sets me at 14. Uh, I've got four more points. I could not take Strange. I could take Ghost Rider, and that leaves me with five. So then I could take like Moon Knight for the stealth and the uh, Mystic Defense and Bullseye to finish people. Uh, or Moon Knight can become Mystique, which I think is probably what happened. Yeah, Moon Knight would become Mystique there, I would think. Uh, and we could also drop Voodoo. We could do the same exact thing, but we could do uh, Blade, Iron Fist, or yeah, I think probably Blade, Iron Fist. Blade, Iron Fist, Strange, Mystique, Bullseye. Uh, mm. And that seems pretty good. That sounds um, fun. But, Moon Knight can work too. I think Moon Knight's got some. I think it would depend on the the um, matchup or not the matchup, the um, scenario. Like right, what, the crisis what scenario are we playing? Right. Um, and Iron Fist doesn't typically come in, but she might be able to come in here because of uh, his heroes for hire. I think that could be an extremely invaluable card if he's being extremely aggressive, and if he does something like you know Sam Wilson tries to throw shields at me, well I can body block it and throw him away, and then he's not in range anymore, and he either has to charge or if he charged already, now he has to just move somewhere else. Right. Um, Winter Soldier might get thrown out of range, or thrown out of range one at least, so he can't get his rerolls. Um, there could be some weird mis like weird positioning things I could force him into with with that. So that's something I, I could think about, and then stunning him would be really good, and um. The girls especially are weak to, weaker to energy and mystic, which I have plenty of. Right. And he's he's a he's a primarily an energy attacker, and then if he doesn't kill Iron Fist, I think like we talked about, you know, I focus those two the two girls. If I don't kill them, then I can either control them with Iron Fist with the actual Iron Fist itself, or if they do die, then I can make I can snowball harder by Iron Fisting someone like Cable. Right. Just give or, him a fist. Yep, just fist him and uh, carry on with my day. So I don't hate 18. It, it, I think it unlocks a little bit more utility for me, actually. Yeah. So one final thing I want to talk about with your matchup is, and this is this is maybe getting too deep in the weeds, but I'm this is how I would think about this, right? So I would probably overthink shit to the nth degree, which is what I'm about to do <laughs> when we talk about my matchup. So... With this, though, with X-23 and Honey Badger both having a two-mystic defense and with you having access to, well, you're going to have Blade and then potentially a Voodoo, Strange with his Crimson Bands, and then the Penance Stare possibility with Ghost Rider. So with all the mystic you have access to, is there a scenario where you don't see him bring in the girls? Like, I don't think there is. I think they're in no matter what. But do you think that that is even a bit of a deterrent for him? Um, could be, I, I don't really know his play style with this list. Um, I feel like they're valuable enough 
especially with exceptional healing, that it's worth the risk. Because, yeah. I mean, exceptional healing means that potentially one attack just doesn't matter. Right. Um, and then, of course, on the flip side of that, Mystique could also ruin exceptional healing. So if he recognizes that, he may not bring them. Um, but I think he's potentially losing a lot if he doesn't bring at least Honey Badger. He can maybe leave X-23 at home. Sure. If he's really worried about me murdering the both of them. Because uh, it's not hard for me to kill two two characters most of the time, especially when they have such low defenses like that. Yeah. But it, it'll kind of depend. Um, I see it. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think he, there's a situation where he, uh, there could be, and maybe he'll, maybe he'll surprise me and not take them <laughs> and I'll have all this plan for him. And he'll say, uh, jokes on you. I was just kidding with those two. And yeah. that would be, uh, a little strange. And, but, but I think that those are, those two are, those two are probably hitting the table. Yeah. If I, I had I'd to say if so I had to hazard a guess. And and you also think like the affiliation situation, you know, staying affiliated, all that stuff. I, I think that you're going to see one or the other, no matter what. It's just which one are you most likely to see? I think you're most likely to see both. But then you factor in Honey Badger's probably seeing the table if X23 doesn't. But they're so their value is so locked together in a lot of ways that I think that you see both of them. Yeah, yeah. So with that, now Merzane. I am excited to see your matchup. I think it's going to be a really fun game because it's two two styles, two people that want to do the same thing, but they want to go about it in different ways. Yeah, I, I think his is more, potentially more aggressive, and mine's uh, a lot more stand back and let you come to me kind of style. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out on the table. Exactly. And it's it's fun because I, I, I like that kind of matchup. You know, all the dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of dice. It's going to be bloody. Uh, and it's Friday at like 8.30ish. I should be streaming it. So if anyone Sweet. wants to watch, it'll Can't. be on the Advanced R&D channel. Love it. Love it, love it. So now we have my matchup here. And I'm playing... Um, uh, it's Lucky Wild on the Discords. So if you see that name come up, that's who I'm playing. But uh, it's Mike Damboise or Damboise. I'm going to put the spice on it. It's it's Dampois because that sounds cool, but I hope that's right. <laughs> so apparently, uh, this guy is pretty good of a player. I don't really know him very well, I've, uh, but apparently he was the runner up for last season. So, yeah, I'm a little bit terrified. And shout out to Shadow Marvel. He told me to stop playing his friends, and <laughs> that uh, that uh, Mike's a pretty good player. So. I'm excited to to do this. You know, it's a new challenge. And this will be the third different affiliation that I'll be playing. Lucky. Yeah. But it's one you don't like so much. It's Criminal Syndicate. <laughs> criminal Syndicate. <laughs> yeah, the old criminals doing criminal things. And the wizards just got to stop them. So his list is a Criminal Syndicate list. He has Kingpin, Okoye, Bullseye, Black Cat, Lizard, Toad, Mysterio, Luke Cage, Dr. Voodoo, and Thanos with the Mind Stone. I, I don't That's know. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what to do with that. And then his tactics cards are Advanced R&D, Climbing Gear, Disarm, Med Pack, Sacrifice, Field Dressing, 
Indomitable, The Grand Illusion, Heroes for Hire, and Fallback. Which I, I, I think Fallback's a little spicy. Fallback is interesting. Yeah. His crisis cards are Mayor Fisk vows to find the missing witnesses. So witnesses at 16 threat. Superpowered scoundrels. That's the 20 threat in the the five shape. Cosmic invasion. Black order descends on Earth. So black order portals also at 16. His extract crisis are the research station attacked. 16. The deadly <laughs> legacy virus which is 19, and the herbs, Mystic Wakandan herbs at 15. So the reason why I focus so much on the crisis card there, uh, we're going to talk about all of this guy's roster, but do you think 16 in his, is his best number here? I, I feel like he's really flexing 16. Yeah. Uh, like what? And when I look at that, what does he play at 16? Does he flood the board with a bunch of little activations in Okoye, Kingpin, and Toad, and Bullseye? Um, I'm not really sure. He's doing some, he's doing different things that I typically see in, uh, Colonel City here. And I feel like I, I typically used to looking at juggernauts. Uh, right. Um, yeah. That's the current hotness. And he doesn't have juggernaut. He's taking, uh, like Luke Cage and lizard. So he's got some tanky boys. He's got Thanos. Who's a tanky boy with a lot of control. And maybe he's going for a more control oriented build, um, uh, with the Thanos trying to stand on your points and move you around and make life miserable or even right. just kind of ignore fighting you. Uh, luckily for you, you have enough displacement of your own characters that I think you can get around that kind of stuff. So maybe he doesn't take that. Yeah. But I'm, at the I'm, same time, flooding the board seems like a bad idea to you since you have so much offense. Yeah. Like that's the thing. When I look at this, and I look at 16, I think there's a case to be made that he runs Kingpin and all of his twos. That gives him a 10-threat situation. And then he's able to throw in Mysterio and Luke, or Blizzard there, maybe, to stay affiliated, to keep affiliation, right? Well, Lizard's not affiliated. Or Lizard's not affiliated. So then he wouldn't, so then maybe Mysterio and Black Cat? Yeah. Um... It could be Bullseye Black Cat. Well, that's what I'm saying. So I think that it's all of his twos. So Kingpin plus all of his twos equals 10. Okay. And then you throw Mysterio in there, and that's three out of five that are affiliated. So he'd have to throw in Black Cat to stay affiliated, right? Yeah. I, I think it's Black Cat before Mysterio. Black Cat is, is most likely going to be in. Right. And... Uh, She's stupid good in Criminal Syndicate. <laughs> right. I agree. She's she's pretty great uh, there. And when I look at this list also, I think about the Thanos thing. Like, the Thanos thing is the thing I'm freaking out the most about. All right? Because I don't know what reason he, he has him here for other than playing in a super high threat value. Because, like, he's going to cost him seven threat to be on the board. And that means that with him and Kingpin, that's 11 tied up right there and does does he play Thanos at anything lower than like 18 I don't I don't think so well he can so he can do a nine point core with Kingpin Black Cat Bullseye and then 
So he could potentially play a, a four wide at 16 with Thanos. Oh, God. I just threw up a little bit. Uh, and he could potentially go as low as – he doesn't have a four threat that he can run in. He could potentially go as low as 14 with Kingpin, Thanos, uh, Bullseye, I think. Is that right? Or is it – yeah, no, it's Kingpin, uh, Black Cat, Thanos yeah. is, a, is a 14 point option for him too. Yeah. But he's not running 14. He's Are not, you running 14? No, I'm not. I don't have a 14. Yeah, you're not worried about 14. Right. So so I'm not too not sweating the 14. But he can be there at 16, which seems to be the flex. Yeah, 16's the flex and okay, if if 16 is the the thing, uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to listen to this and look, I said it when we started doing this. I'm I'm doing the TTS special reports not to hide anything, not to try to, you know, be like, well, I don't want to say what's my weak thing or that thing. Look, I'm putting this out there. It's out there, okay? So if he's listening to this and he gets some information here, great. I don't think 16 is good for me. Flat out. I really don't. So the reason why is because when you look at my list, it's Strange Supreme and Voodoo. Like, those two are coming pretty much no matter what. Right? Yeah. And... Sure, there's an argument to leave Strange at home. Like I can make that argument, but it's an argument I don't want to make because he provides just to, so much for my team overall. Um, so I think that no matter what, it's Strange and Voodoo, and then probably Mordo, and that gets me to 12. And so I only have the 1-2 threat in Wong, and so if I do those three... Well, then I'm forced to take Ancient One, which I don't think Ancient One is bad, but Ancient One I don't think plays particularly well into what's going to be going on here. Like, if he takes the Thanos at 16, it scares me, but I actually think it's okay because I feel like I have the tools to deal with him. Yeah, I agree with that. And if he gets super aggressive with Thanos, which I don't know if he would or not, but if he got really aggressive and did the whole like run across the board thing and hope to tank some stuff, I'm actually okay with that. Uh, you know, I don't know if he will, but I'm okay with that. I don't think he does that though. But if I bring Ancient One, it just really changes how I play because I'm so used to playing with Clea right now and how the utility that she provides with the teleports and all of that stuff. I think that. It just changes up what I do. Uh, I will say, like especially with the black hat, you you would need to watch your back points. Um, w- one thing he will do is if you give him an opportunity, like I talked about with him double moving to a back point, right, to stop you from scoring, he will probably do that. If you leave only one person on a point, he definitely will do that because it's just free points for him, right? Uh-huh. So. Let's talk about this in terms of crisis setup here. So looking at his crisis, especially his secures, it's Mayor Fisk, the Scoundrels, and the Black Order portals. So they're all stand there and flip them. Mine are demons, intrusions, and spider people. So in terms of secures, if we pull my secures, I don't care about him moving to the back because, okay, you're going to get incinerated and you're going to be standing there. Great. Or intrusions being straight across the board it's kind of neutral and then the spider people he has to move and then spend a power so again i'm not too worried about that however if we get his secures the idea of him moving over taking like 
what I see him doing if we get superpowered scoundrels, right? Yep. Is is that he he's going to run over to my stuff and make me deal with that, right? Yeah, most likely. Right. So if we're doing that though, we're not playing at sixteen because guess who doesn't have a sixteen in their list? This guy. You. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm I'm okay there. Because any other threat value, like 16, 15, 14's a little tough, but it's still not bad. But 16's the one I, I care about the most in terms of like just what it changes in terms of how I have to approach the battle. But let's talk about like the, the strategy here of the priority role. If I win priority, I think I have got to pick extracts. Because I do not want to play legacy virus right now. Right? Uh, legacy virus is pretty bad for you. Um, I, I don't know how he scores herbs outside of just doing general, um, criminal syndicate pasta. Right. Uh, not sure you're upset with it because you could potentially like, if he picks up his herbs, you could just yeet them into the stratosphere with Dr. Strange. Right. But closer to you and like murder that guy. So you might actually not care too much about herbs if you use Doctor Strange specifically to goalie your own, the herbs that he's going to pick up. Right. Um, and then like Voodoo can make people drop. So like I think you have the tools to deal with herbs. Um, research Station. I actually don't hate it either. I don't hate Research Station. It's hard because you know obviously you're playing with no extracts against Criminal Syndicate. But you've got so much damage. If you can just start flipping people, he's going to be useless. Right. Well, not useless, but he's going to be really hurting. Um, well, that's the thing. So ideal scenario, I think here, it, if I choose my secures, like if I choose my secures, the the number one A1 prime steak sauce scenario is demons and research station because that definitely benefits me. Yep. But the thing is, I think... The reason, another reason why I want to choose my extracts is because I, I would rather him be forced. Like, if I choose my extracts, then we're probably playing sixteen because he's got the Black Order portals and the Mayor Fisk, which I don't necessarily want to play at sixteen, but I feel okay on Mayor Fisk and I feel okay on Black Order portals. Mm -hmm. So, if he gets to choose threat value. Like, we have a potential that he chooses 20 with alien ship. Otherwise, it's 18 and 17. I don't know, man. Am I overthinking this? I don't think so. I, I, looking at it, I think you actually don't mind research uh, the, the deadly legacy virus. And the reason I think that is if you take Voodoo, so most likely he's going to try to put all of his points onto Toad. Yes. Maybe, like, maybe he's cheeky and he does it on Thanos. So he can stop you from doing something like, I don't know, like double walk when he puts two, two, uh, cures onto toad across the table, you double move voodoo or Bavagamato him and then pay two power to make him drop them all. Um, I think voodoo really makes that matchup more fair because you, you just aggressively possess people. Right. And, and make them drop them. And it's harder for him to, to like pass them around. And if he ever puts two on one person, I think you just do absolutely everything in your power to, uh, possess that person. Because if he wants to pick all the power, all the mech up on one person and not like spend time passing them around, it's going to cost him six power. 
which is not likely. And if you spread them correctly, he also isn't going to be able to do them all in one action. Right. Um, and then like, you know, obviously strange can teleport people away so they can't pass them around if you do it right. Uh, I, I feel like that's probably not, I feel like none of his extracts are particularly bad for you. If you play them correctly, yeah. I think his blues are very scary for you because like all, every single one of them, you're going to have to put so many people onto points and you're typically running tall. Yeah. That you're not a big fan of that. Like, Demons is great for you. Intrusions is fine for you. Uh, spider portals is fine for you because it it evens up the the amount of characters that can sit on points. Right. Uh, and you can actually leave points behind and move like you want to. Um, and he's not very fast most of the time, so he might not be able to deal with that. And overall, I, I think I think your blues benefit you more than his reds detriment you. Yeah. If you play them correctly, I think with herbs you you position strange by your herb and voodoo by his herb. And I don't know who you give the herb to in your side, but that's the thing. Like that, that's, that's my thing with at 16. So anything other than 16, I don't feel like I have a problem with herbs, but if I play, if I play that lower than 16, then herbs is tough for me. If you get a high point cost, uh, Hulk is really Hulk, good on herbs. Hulk is there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and there's not much he's going to like when I look at his list here, Outside of maybe Thanos, he doesn't have a ton of damage. Like he's got chip damage, yeah. which will be good. Like don't be wrong, I'm not trying to undersell his damage potential because dice are always going to dice. But I don't. I'm not worried about the attrition game as much if I bring a Hulk. So if we play 18, Hulk's on the table. Period. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that right and, now. <laughs> and I think. Plane, if you take plane, it's into Thanos. Oh, definitely. Uh, I think Thanos is going to be a big deal um, in this matchup if he brings it. And I think getting him to his backside is all you have to do because he he can he can do damage. But it's not the thing you take him for. His cosmic portal and his mind gem is going to be what you're more scared of. Right. Exactly. But if you on his backside, he's not going to have the cosmic portal. So flipping him. It's just like with all of Criminal Syndicate. Flipping Criminal Syndicate characters makes them very upset. Exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting because I definitely don't want to play Mayor Fisk if I don't have to because being stunned is the bane of my character's existence. Yes. Turn zero. Is there any way that he, if he wins priority, that he picks his extracts? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think your extracts are perfectly fine for him. I don't think he's upset with it. Uh, I do think that his secures are much better for him than yours are. Yeah. Oh, I, I think, yeah. My secures do him no good because, okay, fine, you're going to stand and score a, de- a demon portal point or you're going to stand and score a, an intrusion. It's literally one point for each of those. And then if it's yep. demons, you're taking the burn damage. So I would assume he doesn't want to see either of those. And with spider I, portals benefiting him zero, I think that's also... I think. It, I think your ideal situation is getting... Uh, demons and deadly legacy so it forces him at 19 and you can take like all the big boys you want yeah potentially he may be wanting high points too uh and you probably see thanos at that point but you may be fine with that right i think i think that'd be okay with that because yeah i i do think that i think 18 is my sweet spot in terms of like how i've put everything together here i think that's really where my sweet spot is but 
I think my extracts, Montessi formula and all that stuff, there's only one of them. Yeah, giving someone a beam sounds terrible. Like a death's decreed beam sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> True. Well, it's only I think it's only one of the shots. Still, the still sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> so. I, I, I think I think overall, if with blues, you're at a heavy disadvantage. But with reds, you have to play correctly. And I think you have to constantly be aware um, with his with the two that he actually picks up, you know, herbs and virus. You have to every every single activation. You need to be aware of where his characters can go and who they can pass things to. Yeah. Uh, to stop your because one herb score can win a game. Exactly. Um, and getting the deadly legacy virus all in one character typically will win the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, so keeping keeping an eye on those, saving your characters that, that will stop those plays for later on in the rounds will be helpful. So your voodoos and your stranges are, are going to be good later on. Hulk yeah. even. Um, passing, you'll need to be very good at passing to make sure that they don't, you know, so that you can watch what he does so he doesn't surprise you when you don't, when you have your pants down and you, you can't respond. Right. Um, and then with Research Station, it just becomes the same game like, Demon's research is also good for you. He takes you to 16. Right. Uh, most likely. But then he's on Demon's Downtown, and I think you're fine with Demon's Downtown. I am super fine with that. So I, I think you I think you've got I, I think it's better for you to go blues um in this case. If you do get reds, I think you want uh, hammers. Because I think yeah. you want to beat the crap out of him. Well, yeah, I think I think I want the hammers for sure. If if I lose priority and we pull my extracts, like, I'm going to try to pull, I'm going to, I hope I pull hammers. If I don't, well, then we'll play at 17, and that's fine, too, because I would expect Montessi formula, because I've already seen Alien Ship, so, you know, the law of averages <laughs> says that I won't pull that again, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if he pulls his, his secures, and I pull my extracts, then, you know, it's 20, 16 17 or 18 right because like he's gonna have he's got two chances for a 16 and then a 20 i've got one chance for a 20 a 17 and an 18 and so either way i don't hate any of those threat values except for 16 so if i pull one of mine i'm playing that threat value yep you know so like i'm, I'm not too upset there the next question i have and the next thought that has gone through my mind is is there any point to having Indomitable in this matchup? Because, um, and, and hear me out, hear out my logic. So Kingpin takes a while to get there. Lizard is a question mark in terms of, you know, is he going to, is it, you know, Lizard is not Criminal Syndicate affiliated, so you can fit him in as a three threat, and I think he would, especially if we're playing Scoundrels or something. I think that's definitely happening. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, is Lizard there? And, like, he's the biggest threat, throw threat, I think. Right. Well, let's let's look at all their characters that have some sort of displacement. So Kingpin has his push on his attack, his throw on his attack, and a throw. Uh, Akoya does not. Bullseye does not. Black Cat does not. Lizard has a push on his attack. Does he have a throw on his attack? It's not a throw. He has a his. Okay, no, he bleeds and slows people. Yeah. Um, and then he has a throw. Uh, Toad has a push on his attack. Mysterio advances you. Right. Luke Cage can throw you on a wild size three um, and throw terrain, but that's not indomitable. 
Right. Uh, Voodoo has a throw. Right. Size two. And Thanos can throw you with throw you and push you with his uh, punches and his uh, his cosmic beam or whatever. Right. So you've talked me into it. <laughs> but but here's the thing. I think his main form of displacement is going to be Thanos's uh, mind gem and cosmic portal, Mysterio's uh, moves. And I'm going to be honest. I think in this matchup, when you it, it's kind of one of those things. Like if there's a lot, you have a it's like a fifty fifty. Like if there is a lot and you only stop one, how valuable is it? But when there's only a couple being able to stop the most necessary one. Right. Is a lot easier because, you know, if you stop one in this matchup, like like Thanos, like if Thanos punches you and gets the wild and is going to throw you. Yeah, I indomitable. Now you don't throw me. Well, then he punches you again and then he throws you again and then you wasted a card. Exactly. Um, so it may not be that good in this matchup just because. I don't think that's what he's mainly going for. I think it's mostly incidental that he's throwing you, pushing you. Yeah, and um, that and that's kind of where my logic is on this, because if I'm forced at 16, Ancient One has a way to place, you know, Strange with his shenanigans. So I'm not, yep. and and then if we play 16, there's a, you know, I could bring magic and leave Mordo at home, but I don't know. I don't think I do. That's too cheeky. But yeah, I think I think. Uh, I think Baron Mordo's done you really well. Yeah, but higher threat values, magic can come in and then she can place too. So yep. I, I think that there's there's interesting things to be had here. I think that ultimately my plan is still attrition. I think trying to take out the key pieces at the right times is going to be critical for me. Mm-hmm. And, and then grabbing those scores when I can. And the reason why I ask about Indomitable and the reason why I bring that up in a discussion point here is because if I don't bring Indomitable, well, then it allows me access to some of my other tech cards, right? Yep. So you mentioned Orb of Agamotto earlier. That's my placement card. We've talked before about the Astral Ring and how beneficial that can be, especially against a criminal syndicate where it's like, okay, well, now you can't even get to my guy, but my guy's range three up here fighting you. So, like, I think that yeah. is valuable, too. I think in this matchup, things that you want to look at, um, brace is always you need I'm, brace. I'm taking brace, period. Because because you, you'll just die. Uh, field dressing is still good. He's not. Yeah. I don't think he's going to do a lot of fighting, but it's good as a shore up. Um, but I think in this case, you take either field dressing or ironbound books, um, depending on which one you want. That leaves you three spaces. Mark for death is a maybe. Uh, you're only going to really use it against Black Cat or Mysterio. Okay, I do have to ask you a question. You said either field dressing or ironbound books. Is there, mm-hmm. like, I really don't take ironbound books? Like, there's a scenario where I wouldn't take that? I don't think he's doing a lot of attacking. Man. Uh, I think it's still good, but you but you may not need it if you bring field dressing. You may not need field dressing if you bring it. Like, well, I, 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 I want to break down first and think about it out loud first. But I mean, like, Thanos is his biggest damage threat. Right. And his biggest damage threat from him is going to be the eight die energy, which is where field dressing might be better. Right. Mysterio, Mysterio will be using his builder. Everyone else is like five die and four die builders. Voodoo's got mystic, which you're not scared of. Um, so Ironbound just may not see a lot of use this game. Um, unless he's getting desperate. But I think if you're keeping him on his back foot and he's desperate, he's also going to have to move and attack, and then field dressing helps you better with the right. spikes. Um, so that's, if you take brace and field dressing, that's two. 
Uh, Mark for death. I think you only use versus Mysterio and Black Hat. Mm-hmm. And how much range over range three do you have right now? You have strange, strange. You have. I have some range four piddly little attacks. Yeah, so you probably don't take that. The lazy orb of Agamotto and plane. So that's four. That's your four. I think. I'm taking plane like, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are your big four. Um, Astral ring I don't like because I think you should be mobile in this matchup. I think you need to constantly be looking to move and adjust where you need your characters to stand because sometimes versus criminal syndicate, not attacking and just standing in good places is better. Um, yeah. An astral ring can make that really hard and it can waste a, an act a slot. Um, I think if you take magic, journey through limbo is great. Yeah. I think journey I think through limbo is great here. If you're not taking magic, I think you just kind of need to assess the point costs and what you're scared of and decide if ironbound books is worth it. Or if you think indomitable for a key throw is worth it in, yeah. in that point cost specifically. Um, Cause I, I don't think either one of them is the right answer here. Yeah, I think that the, the higher the threat value goes, the more likely I am to bring Indomitable. I think it's, no, I think it's the opposite. I think it's the lower the threat value, the more likely you're taking Indomitable because there'll be fewer activations and fewer chances to throw. And mm. higher point values, you see, you see, you'll see more attacks, and Ironbound Books makes more sense. Whereas you'll also see more throws, and then Indomitable has that diminishing returns problem. I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's an interesting way to look at it. I like that. Um, so I, this is an interesting matchup for you because I think he is playing a criminal syndicate list that doesn't like to beat the crap out of people and hurt people. That's what I'm reading but, into it also. Or at least with the, uh, where, where you want ironbound books. Um, so I, I think, I think this is a weird one where you could finally do tech pieces and offensive pieces and, yeah. and feel more comfortable. I, and, and to that point, when I read this list, when I look at this list, I definitely, I fear this list because it is a bit of an unknown and it's i think it's one of those types of lists where i want to starve my opponent of power as much as possible and and use the tech the thanos mind the cosmic portal the lizard throws the these tech things i want to use those things to starve my opponent of power as much as possible and then when i inevitably playing a little bit of an attrition style give that power back to him, that's when he hits with the big things. Is that mm-hmm. how, like, that's a typical way of the the power starve mechanic, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like I have enough firepower to, you know, do what I need to do, but I also feel like if he brings Thanos and he plays super tall, like a very narrow list, then I might be in trouble, but... I mean, that just happened in the last one, and I was able to do okay. I think you're okay with tall. I think, like I said, I think this match is going to be more determined by your positioning skills than any match you've played before. Because Criminal Syndicate is one of the best affiliations, especially if he's running, you know, some of the control like Thanos. One of the best affiliations at punishing poor positioning. Yeah. Um, And potentially just making you lose the game because you, you messed up a couple times. Right. So really thinking out your positioning and where you want to stand, um, just like we talked, you know, you talked about starving. Uh, you could power starve him too for a lot of these characters. You talked, we talked about lizard and Kingpin yeah. having to take a while to get there. Like, if you're not hitting them because you don't think you're gonna get, you're gonna get any value out of it, uh, standing somewhere and making it to where they have to move and hit you to throw you is probably a lot more valuable. 
Yeah. Because if they fail, they won't throw you. If they do, then they're out of they're out of position. Um, so I think that's what you want your goal to be. I think you want to some, especially like, you know, how I do, you want, if you can get an advantage or give him a reason to come to you, then you're looking at really valuable attacks and really good ways to attrition. Yeah. Um, and if not, you need to be very careful with how you approach him because if you commit too much to the chase, he'll just swing around you and steal your back and then you'll right. be in a worse position. Right. Yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting match. And uh, for the suits out there listening, if you're interested, it'll be Sunday night at 8 p.m. CST on uh, Twitch, twitch.tv slash DarthBalls05 with a Z. So you can check that out. And, yeah, Merzane, I appreciate all this because, like, you know, I I feel like I understand in terms of what my overall plan needs to be but like i definitely have the advantage on the power generation side of things i think other than maybe thanos but like with voodoo whenever he rolls the dice on the skulls potentially and then the saps all that's good but strange getting three a turn if i'm able to bring clea she can generate her own mordo's able to generate his own if i have to bring ancient one she's able to generate her own power so like power economy <laughs> advantage and maybe using that as a way to leverage in terms of not doing attacks is an interesting way to look at it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like I said, it, it's this may not be my fight will be bloody. Yours might not be. Yours might be a whole lot of waiting for your last activation to shoot someone into the stratosphere with strange and that stand on that point instead. Be ideal. Or uh, just keeping two people on there or just keeping parity until you can get an advantage. Mm hmm. Um, if you can go a little wider, that might help you uh, just because, you know, you want to have people standing on points. But if you go tall, you just need to be sure that if he sends people at you, you got to kill them. Yeah. And when you flip them, typically you can't ignore them, but you don't have to worry about the jank anymore. Right. Even if your bad. guys get flipped, criminal syndicates affiliation only works for helping people. The, right. the counting for two part, they can still pass. That's uh, extracts around. So keeping track of who's injured, who you think might be the next one to come and steal one of your points and getting them injured and flipping people fast is going to be super valuable. Yeah. And then, like I said, after you've gotten enough people flipped, then you can be a little bit more loose with your positioning, especially if you have all healthy people, because then he's, you've just nullified half of his leadership. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I don't think research station is typically bad for people in the criminal syndicate. If you're just murdering him off the point and you just stand there with a healthy person, it's a lot easier. Right. Uh, exactly. Like I said, that just be, you gotta be, you gotta really think of, you're gonna have to really think the turn ahead and think about where his characters can move because there's a good chance they're not going to hit you. They're just going to run around and do dumb stuff. Mm hmm. Makes sense. So Merzane with that, let's bring this TTS special report to a close and look forward to the next one. Where can people find you, my guy? Uh, I am on the Gamers Guild podcast, where we're talking about competitive stuff sort of like this, and on Advanced R&D, uh, where we are building jank lists, the opposite of this. And we have our game, if you don't mind me dropping that. Go for uh, it. Finally, we have our game plan for Jacob and Utility Cookie. Me and Kenny have been super busy lately. Haven't been able to plan their game together. 
they'll be playing on Sunday at, uh, I believe it's uh, 2 Central, 2 o'clock Central Time. Nice. Um, let me confirm that. Yeah, 2 p.m. Central Time uh, on the Advanced R&D Twitch. Uh, they'll be playing a game. I don't remember. It's been so long since we built their list. I don't remember what their lists were, but they... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it'll be fun. They, they, we had them build crazy lists and now they're going to play them. That's awesome. Can't wait to see that. That'll be fun. Maybe I'll watch that before my match to kind of, you know, decompress a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Watch something fun and then like see how stuff, just get your head in the game and then play the actual game. Exactly. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. So yeah. And, uh, for me, people can find me on the house party protocol uh, Facebook page. You can send us messages over there. I personally really love interacting with everyone through that. It's a lot of fun. You can send us emails at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Also, if you're on our Discord channel, you can check out our comic book reading club. We're going to be doing a live stream kind of roundtable Twitch stream combo thing for that on Saturday sometime kind of maybe mid-morning to the early afternoon. Just a couple hours hanging out and talking about the uh, Jeff Lemire Moon Knight run. So definitely uh, pop in and check that out. I'll be doing like a, a Discord stream while also doing a Twitch live stream. So if anybody is not able to make it, you can come and check that out later on at, like I've said twice already, now let's make it thrice, twitch.tv slash Darth Balls with a Z 05. The with a Z part's not in the name, but just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So... Come and check that out, and if you're interested in joining our Patreon and supporting the show a little bit, you can check out patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol, and you can get access to our Discord that way and just help support the show. It's a dollar a month, so 12 bucks a year, and it helps us pay for our giveaways, which we're going to be doing another one. We're going to be giving away the Grunt Model Peoples here very soon, so make sure to be on the lookout for that, and yeah. I think I've said everything I need to say. It's and a it's a mouthful. So. It is a mouthful. And I definitely may or may not have gotten tongue-tied a few times just trying to think about it all. Anyways, <laughs> with that, party on, Merzane. Party on, Will. And power down suits. And this concludes the special report. Tune in next week for more.